0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to share your story with us at info at fellowshipgj.com. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we want to encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that online at fellowshipgj.com. Pick the giving option that works best for you and help us to continue to bring the message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thanks for joining us and enjoy today's message. Well, church, good morning. I hope you're doing well today. I wonder, are you happy that it's Christmas time? Do you love this season? I love this season. We're starting a series today, and we're titling this, uh, this series, Do You See What I See? And we're titling it that because I believe it's a question that God would ask each of us today. Do you see... What I see. Do you see things the way that God sees them? Because, see, our perspective is everything. The way that we see things is critically important. And we get this from a passage we see in Mark chapter 6 that I just want to dive right into a story that takes place with our Savior. And it says this in Mark 6, verse 1. It says, Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where did this man get these things? They asked. What's this wisdom that he's been given, it has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? And they took offense at him. And Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own town among his own relatives in his own home. And then one of the most shocking verses in all of the Gospel of Mark, we see this, it says, he could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. You guys, I want to start this Christmas season off by by really taking a look at how we process things and how we evaluate things, how we think about things. But most importantly, how do we see the circumstances and the situations that you and I find ourselves in? So we've titled this, Do You See What I See? Would you pray with me before we dive into this today? Heavenly Father, I pray right now that Jesus, you would be glorified in this place. That, that God, you'd be lifted up in this place and that more than anything, that people would come to know you more, that we would all understand your love for us a little bit more today before we leave. Uh, God, open our eyes, help us to see things the way you want us to see them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. See, the way we perceive things, the way we see things is everything. It's so critically important. And we've all gone to work with someone who's a complainer, right, right? We can all think of someone at the office as a complainer. One person goes into the office building and they think, oh, I I hate my job. I can't get ahead. I can't seem to make any extra money. There's a ceiling on my head. My boss is such a jerk. My coworkers, they they, they bug me, right? It's like I never get the parking space I want at my work. Like they come in complaining. All, All the while another person comes into the same office building and saying, God, thank you for my job. I love this. Thank you that I have a stable place where I can have income right now. And God, thank you for for my coworkers and, and the people I get to work with. It's like they go in the park in the same parking lot, go in the same door, have the same coworkers and the same boss, and they have two completely different experiences. Why? Because they see things differently. Because one person has a wrong perception and one has a perception that is much more in line with the type of perception God would have us to have. So I think there's a lot of us sometimes we pray, God, would you change my circumstances? Would you you change what's going on around me? Change my workplace? When all the while what we should be praying in fact is God, would you change my perception of my circumstances? God, would you change the way I see things? Because some people see singleness as a curse. I don't have anyone to help me. It's like, I, I, gotta, I gotta pay the bills, I gotta take care of the kids, I gotta do the laundry and take out the trash and do all that, no one's here to help me. While another person, they don't see it as a curse, they see it as a blessing. They come home, they go, thank God there is peace in my house, right? I can go where I want to go when I want to go there. If I want to cook, I can cook. If I don't want to cook, I don't have to cook. I don't have to clean nothing if I don't want to clean nothing, right? Same circumstance, two completely different outlooks. You go to the mall right now. And you experience this at the mall. There are people coming in going, oh, can you believe this traffic? This is so annoying. They've been playing Christmas music for like six weeks already, and it's just now the first week of December. I can't even find a parking space. I'm going to set the in lines all day long, and another person parks right next to you, and they're saying, man, thank God for this. What a wonderful time of year that, like, our economy is kicking back up with all that's taking place right now. Thank God for these crowds. Thank you, God, that we can celebrate you this time of year. What is taking place? place here is, is we can see that there's a danger of a flawed perspective, not seeing things the right way. In fact, that's what I believe this text warns us. It, it warns us about the danger of a flawed perspective because um, it says here that Jesus left there and went to his hometown. And this is shocking because, uh, because Jesus is around the people that he'd be the most connected to, that would know him the most. It says, so, so this is, this is Jesus' hometown. And he goes into the synagogue to teach, now, the people knew about Jesus because the Bible tells us when Jesus was 12 years old, he was left in the synagogue, and he would teach people, and people were amazed. They're sitting around with this 12-year-old kid going, how in the world can this kid have so much wisdom? How could he have knowledge? How, like he, he's talking about things that we don't even understand yet. Where, where did he get so brilliant? How did this happen? They knew that Jesus was wise. They knew he was smart. But now we fast forward 18 years, and... He finds himself in a synagogue again, and he's in his hometown, the people who, who knew him and the same type of people that were talking about how they were awed about him as a child and how wise he was as a child. Now they're questioning, where does this wisdom come from? They're saying, "Where did this man get these things?" How in the world did he come up with these things? See, their thought was, you know, if, if your daddy's a carpenter, then certainly you must be a carpenter. And you're never gonna be anything more than that. So they had limited Jesus to functioning in the realm of where they first met him. And this is why you can never let people be your source for your identity. Because people will always try to limit you to the realm in where they first met you. And they'll say, I knew you when, but I remember when we met, I remember some things you've done from the past and the thing, you know, since your daddy was a bus driver, certainly you're gonna be a bus driver. Since your daddy was an alcoholic, certainly you're gonna be an alcoholic, and people will try to limit you and keep you in the same realm of where they first met you. Man, isn't it funny how how people try to keep you stuck in the past? I'll tell you, um, a lot of you didn't know me when I was a teenager. I made some stupid decisions as a teenager, like, um, things I'm not very proud of. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, I ran into a friend of mine who only knew me when I was a teenager. And it was really cool because I was excited to see him and, and I went up to him and gave him a hug and he's like, Dan, where have you been? What have you been up to, man? It's been so long. Like, like how's life treating you? And, and we realized, like, we're coming up on, like, it's been 20 years since we've talked. And he said, Dan, what are you doing now? I said, yeah, I pastor at Fellowship Church. The dude almost wet himself. He was laughing so hard at me. He's like, yeah, right, you are. I'm like, no, seriously, I, I am. And, and the thing is, he had me trapped in this place where he was trying to limit me to where I was in the past, not knowing that all along God had been working on me and changing me and growing me, and there's people that try to keep you stuck in the past. You can never gain your identity from them because we see here that Jesus... They looked at Jesus and think, man, you came from a carpenter, so certainly being raised in a carpenter's house, all you were ever going to be is a carpenter. So uh, they tried to keep him bound to it. But you have to have a mind that goes beyond being bound to where you came from. In fact, you got to have a mind that goes beyond being bound to where you are right now. This is where we have to be people who think forward who are moving forward, like going, I'm not going to stay stuck in the past, I'm not going to stay stuck where people once knew me, but I'm I'm headed somewhere, so I'm going to start acting like I'm going there. You've heard people say, you've got to dress for where you're going, like if you want to be in management, dress like a manager. Well, that's obvious, we know that in our culture, but it goes beyond that, where we've got to think for where we're going, we've got to learn for where we're going. If you're wanting to be in management, if you're wanting to have a family, these are things that You shouldn't just be praying, God, would you give it to me? Because he might be going, what are you going to do with it if I give it to you? Are you even ready for it yet? Like God might be waiting on you. Are are, are you going to start getting ready and preparing yourself for the things that you're praying for? If you're praying for a management job, then why don't you start reading some books on management? If you you start praying for God to give you a family, then start reading some books on on being a good father or being a good mother. we got to start looking forward and thinking forward. we got to learn ahead. See, they, they didn't, Jesus didn't let people put him in a box, but they, they were certainly trying to in their own minds because it said this, where did he get these things? In other words, where did he get this knowledge? See, knowledge can be learned. You, you, can, you can acquire knowledge through books, through classes and stuff like that, through experience. Knowledge can be learned, but then they say the second thing, and the second thing can't be learned. It so what's this wisdom that's been given to him? Wisdom. See, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. See, I know a whole lot of smart. I know a whole lot of smart people that have a lot of knowledge that aren't wise. Have you ever met someone like that? You got degrees everywhere. Every wall is covered in degrees, and you're just going, well, "How are you making decisions like you're making right now?" Because wisdom and knowledge are not the same thing. See, knowledge can tell you what to do with information. Wisdom gives you the insight to know how to use that knowledge that you've been given. See, knowledge can teach you how to load a gun. Wisdom would teach you when it's appropriate to use the gun. There, there's a huge difference here between knowledge and wisdom. And I wonder, do you know how to use what you've been given? Do you know the, the, things that, the resources that God's given you, the jobs he's given you, the, the families you have, the relationships you Do you know how to use those things that God has given you? At the risk of offending you and upsetting you on this this first week in December and Christmas season, I'm going to ask you a question. So go ahead and nudge the person next to you and tell them, don't get mad. Don't get mad. I'm going to ask you this because I love you. All right, don't get mad. But I wonder, could someone else take what you have and do more with it? Could someone else take the marriage you have and bring more intimacy into it? Could someone else take your finances and make them go farther? Could someone else take uh, whatever resources you have, your job, your workplace, and look at it in a different way where they would start to be able to do more with it? See, I'm around people all the time who, people in my generation, we are just busy, all the time, busy, busy, busy. I mean, I got friends that got two cell phones going, working 14 hours a day. We're just, we're toiling. We're working so hard. And, and yet I wonder, are we working hard or are we working smart? Because Jesus said, you know, you've been toiling all night. Like, you, you have nothing to show for it. Why are you working so hard and not getting any results? That's why Jesus cursed the fig tree. He's like, how how is it that this tree could take up the soil and take up the sun and take up the water and bear no fruit? Because if you are doing something, if you're trying, if you're working hard, you should be successful. Get this. I believe this with all my heart. If you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, you should be successful. If you are partnering with Jesus, you should be blessed. You should be an overcomer. You should be victorious. You should be healthy. You should be strong. You should have peace in, in your house. You should be able to sleep at night. I believe that if we are putting work for it, we should see the results come from that. I believe that. I truly believe that. I, I believe that God partners with us and he gives us the strength and the ability to be able to be successful. I'm supposed to be blessed. But see, when you rise above where people think you ought to be, they have a problem adjusting to that. You ever notice that? You start to get successful in the people that you thought would be fans of yours, thought would be supportive of you, now all of a sudden they got a problem with you moving forward. You got coworkers and you're trying to climb the ladder a little bit and get a job in management. Who do you think you are, right? It's like people have a problem adjusting to the fact that we try to move beyond where they first met us. And see, Jesus had knowledge. He had wisdom. They knew that he had performed miracles. It says in Mark 6, 2, it says, what are these remarkable miracles he's performing? See, Jesus did the work, and he was getting results from the work. He was a miracle worker. His potentials were limitless everywhere except for here in Nazareth because he had come into his own country, into his hometown. See, in his hometown, when they saw his wisdom and his knowledge and his works, they, they, they saw all these things he was doing. The Bible says that instead of celebrating because of the way that they saw Jesus, they weren't celebrating, they weren't exact, excited about it. They were offended, offended. Church, they were offended because he's doing good. They were offended because he's wise, because he's performing miracles, but how are you going to get offended when Jesus is like, listen, I'm I'm healing the sick, I'm raising the dead, I'm, I'm doing miracles, I'm here to help you because I love you, I want to do good things for you too, and they were offended. How do you get offended when someone is doing good for you? I'll tell you why. Because they thought they knew him. They thought that they knew who he was. See, these weren't evil people. In his hometown, they weren't evil, they were just limited. Right? You, you don't have to be evil to be limited. See, the, people don't have to be evil to be offended, they were just limited. And this is how they perceive Jesus. I mean, he comes in the synagogue, they're teaching, at first they're amazed, and then they start recognizing, wait, oh, we remember this guy, and they start going, wait, is it, is it that, isn't that Jesus? Yeah yeah that's the, that's Mary's boy, right? Yeah, we remember Jesus. Yeah, I remember him running around the streets here when he was a little boy. I remember that, like, oh, yeah in fact, didn't didn't he come to your house and him and his dad built a shed in your backyard? like yeah, that's, that's just Jesus. So yeah, going to a Jesus, what do you mean a Jesus church? Ain't nobody going to go to a Jesus church? That's just Jesus. I know Jesus, Like. No, what is it? He's going to do a miracle, right? He's going to, yeah, no, that's just Jesus. We know Jesus. I wonder, how do you perceive Jesus? How do you see Jesus? It, oh, he's just, he's a good teacher. He's that, he's that baby in the manger that we sing to on a, on a Christmas Sunday, Right? And he said, hey, that's just Jesus. I wonder how many of us have ever gotten into a place in life where instead of seeing God for who he is, we start to limit him to what the world would say about him, limit him to, to the views and the opinions of what the enemy would try to plant into our heads. So Jesus is among these people, and they're saying, oh, that's just Jesus. I said, don't worry about him. That's just Jesus. They were offended, and he said to them, a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives. Guys, that's the most shocking place to, to not have honor. Because these are the people that he's most connected to. How are you going to not be honored by the people you're the most connected to? I believe that's a question that God would ask you today. How can God not receive honor with those that he's most connected to? It blows my mind that the two times in scripture that Jesus compliments someone because of their faith, both of them were outside of the church. Both of them were outside the nation of Israel. Matthew chapter eight, we see the the centurion a Roman soldier, okay, this Roman man outside of the nation of Israel um, believed in Jesus, believed he, he was the Messiah, the Son of God. So he sent to have his son healed. He said, would you heal my son? And Jesus was going to come with him. He said, no, you don't have to come with me. You can just speak the word and it can happen. So Jesus said, I, I tell you, I've never seen anyone in Israel with this great of faith. You have wonderful faith. Because this person believed in Jesus. He, he trusted him. The, the other person was a woman we see in Matthew chapter 15 who, whose daughter had a demon. This was a Canaanite woman. Again, a woman that was not in covenant relationship with God, was not part of the nation of Israel. So when she came to God, she had no right to come to him because she was not in relationship with him. So as she's asking for this miracle, Jesus calls her a dog. And she doesn't even get offended by this because he's saying, listen, you're, you're not a child. You're not part of the family. You, you haven't made covenant with me, so, so you're a dog. And she doesn't get offended. It says, he replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord. She said, even dogs eat crumbs that fall from their master's table. She calls him Lord and calls him her master. She said, I believe in you. I trust you. I want to come into covenant relationship with you. So then then Jesus said to her, woman, you have great faith and your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. So she called him master. Now she's in covenant with him. And her perception of Jesus was that this is the Messiah, This is the Son of God. So she received a breakthrough. She received a miracle when there's people walking around Jesus in the nation of Israel, people in Nazareth that aren't receiving breakthrough, aren't receiving miracles because they weren't viewing him right. And here she is outside of the church, outside of the nation. She views him right. And, and, And all these people in Nazareth, they're offended. Why? Because if you're exposed to an opportunity and you don't use it, You get offended about everything, everything. Man, it's crazy the things that that church people get offended about, right? You you know it, you've had conversations with people. How crazy is it? We get offended about the stupidest things. I don't like to sit on that side of the church. I came in today and, and that woman was sitting in my seat. Don't you know I've been sitting in that seat since we opened the doors of this building. She's sitting in my, who'd she think she is? I had my little reserve towel up there. Didn't even get to use it. Right? (laughs) Who she thinks she is? They didn't play the song I like today. Music's too loud. What are we arguing about, people? We're offended. We get offended about everything because if you're exposed to an opportunity and you don't take it, man, see, lazy thinking people get offended about Everything. It's like we just we take our point of view, we don't look at the other person's point of view, so we never look at it through their perspective, through what they're seeing, and then we get all upset and we fight and we lose friends, and, and only to later reconcile with them and find out that they never meant it the way that we took it in the first place. See, if you're, if you're lazy thinking, then, then you jump to conclusions, and we react with half of the information, and you could lose friends and you could lose jobs and you could lose opportunities all because you're you're seeing things wrong but see Jesus gave the people in Nazareth one of the greatest gifts that God can give anyone he gave them an opportunity He gave them an opportunity to be blessed, to have their lives changed, their circumstances changed. People that were sick could could have been healed. The people that were dead could have been raised. There there was an opportunity for all this, and they all missed it simply because of how they viewed Jesus. So I ask you again how how do you see Jesus? Do you you see him the way that God the Father sees him? Do you see him the way that he expresses himself to us? What is your perception of Jesus? What is your perception? Let me show you how powerful perception is. If we go all the way back to to, uh, Genesis and we look in the Garden of Eden when Satan came into the garden to tempt Eve, do you recognize the Bible shows us that Satan didn't use one demon he didn't use a curse, he didn't use magic, he didn't use a spell. The only thing that Satan did with Eve is he started fooling with her perception. He started fooling with the way that she viewed God. So he's like, wait, you saying, he, he said you can't eat from any tree in here? He's like, no, I can't eat from all these trees, I just can't eat from that one, because if I eat from that, I'll surely die. See, Eve, that's not why he said that. He said that because he knows if you eat from that tree, you're going to be just like him. See, he's holding out on you. So you think you've got freedom. You don't have freedom. He's tricked you right now. What did he do? He fooled with her perception. And what does Satan do to, to you? He tries to fool with your perception. He tries to get you to look at what you have and, and look at it the wrong way. Not to view it the way that God views it, but to, to view it the way he views it. So, so he starts telling you, you know what, you're too old for this. You should have done that 20 years ago. <laughs> While well, the person next to you, he's lying to them and fooling with their perception saying, you're way too young for this. You need to make sure you get some more degrees and some more education before you try something like that. And he starts fooling with you and starts to try to tell you, you know what, if she really cared for you, if she was a loving wife, she would be more respectful to you. And there's other people out there that would treat you differently. If he was a good husband, he would treat you differently. And he starts to try to fool with your perception of what you've been given. And all of humanity fell into chaos simply because their perception was wrong. Now, the flip side to this, the beautiful thing about this is we see the opposite. In contrast, we see what Jesus does with our perception. It is, there's a, a beautiful story in Luke 13 where there's a lame woman who's been crippled for 18 years. She's walking around hunched over. She's hurt. And, and, and Jesus spoke to her. And what he spoke to her about was about her view of her situation, how she was seeing things. Because this is what he says to her. Woman, woman. Uh, Or when when Jesus saw her, he called to her forward to her and said, Woman, you are set free from your infirmity. You are set free from your infirmity. Get this, Jesus doesn't say I will heal you. He doesn't say you will get better. He doesn't say things are going to change for you. He said, no, 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 no. Right now, in this moment now, you are different. You're viewing your situation wrong. She's, she's hunched over. She's crippled. And he said, you are different. You are changed. You are free. You are healthy. And you need to start viewing yourself differently. Because now that you've partnered up with me, Jesus is saying, now your situation is different. So stop looking at it the way the rest of the world looked at it. Start looking at the way I'm saying. You need to walk in freedom. You need to walk in hope. You need to walk in joy because you are free. Church, don't you know that? He, he came to set you free. He came to change your view of the, the way the rest of the world is trying to get you to look at it. And some of you are complaining about things that if you started looking at it the way he looks at it, you'd start recognizing he's put blessings all around you. He's given you some of the things you asked for, some of the things you've been praying about. I wonder, how do you see Jesus? Church, I want to ask you, would you stand to your feet with me? Because I want to pray for you before we go. Coming into this Christmas season, what we never want to get caught up in is the type of attitude and lifestyle where we just look at it, where Christmas is just a time where we come around and we sing some songs and all all that, when, because if we were to view things the way God views them, we recognize not just this season, but every day of our life, it's all about Jesus. It's all about him. It's all about focusing on him, seeing him for who he is. And once we begin to see that he is the son of God, He is our savior. He is healer. He is friend. Then we start to recognize that, you know what? I've been looking at my situation differently because with him, I'm not lame anymore. With him, I'm not sick anymore. With him, I'm not poor. With him, I'm not stuck. I don't have to be stuck anymore because I'm with him. So I wanna ask you right now to bow your heads and close your eyes with no one looking around. I just want to ask you to be real honest right now because there's probably some of you in this room that would say you know you've never viewed Jesus as your savior you've never looked to Jesus as, as the forgiver of your sins as the son of God who came and died to pay the price for our sins and then rose again And if that's you, and you've never started a relationship with Jesus Christ yet, I want to pray for you today. I'm not going to embarrass you or do anything like that, but I just want to ask you, if that's you, on the count of three, you want to start a relationship with Jesus today. On the count of three, put your hand up for just a moment so I can pray for you. One, Jesus loves you so much. Two, this could be the change and the start to a whole new life. Three, if that's you, put your hand up in the air. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. Thank you for your hands. See ya, see ya, see ya. Then this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray every one of us in this room. I'm gonna do a repeat after me prayer. We're gonna ask Jesus to be our Lord and Savior today so that all these hands that just went up, we don't want them to to feel uncomfortable or left out. So let's all raise our voices so that they can feel confident and comfortable and praying in this room uh, together. So let's do this now. Dear Jesus, I see you as my savior. I'm a sinner and I need forgiveness. So please forgive me of my sins. Give me a home forever in heaven and be the Lord and the savior of my life. In your precious name, amen. Amen, awesome, many hands. This went up a moment ago, church. Now let me pray for you before we go. Heavenly Father, in this room, you know sometimes we can get our perspectives messed up. Sometimes we look at things negatively when we should be looking at them positively. Sometimes we look at things and ignore the fact that you're right in the middle of it with us. So I pray right now that we would begin to see things exactly the way that you see them, that you would help us, God, to live our lives in freedom and, and, and strength, being overcomers, God, simply because we're connected to you so God be with us we pray that this entire Christmas season you give us strength and help us to grow more and more uh, in a relationship with you closer to you more in love with you God and it's in Jesus Christ
1: and we pray and everybody said amen I love you church thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church if you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 9, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You can do that right now. I want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord and confess that you are my Savior, that you died on the cross for my sins and you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you to be my Savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven with you. And God, I ask you this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need additional prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at prayer at Thanks again, and we hope to see you next week.